back to Quest for Gold. I'm Ryan Burrow. Six months to go until the summer games and sports are starting to ramp up as best they can during a pandemic. The TYR Pro Series is underway in Richmond, Virginia and San Antonio, Texas. The swimmers try to get back in the pool. Speaking of swimming, five-time Olympic gold medalist Cleet Keller has been charged with participating in the deadly riot at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Video emerged showing him among those storming the building while wearing a USA Olympic team jacket. Keller's 38. He hasn't been with USA Swimming since 2008 when he was competing at the Games in Beijing. He's charged with knowingly entering a restricted building to impede an official government function, disorderly conduct, and obstructing law officers. Sarah Hirschland, CEO of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee, releasing a statement strongly condemning the riot, saying, quote, they do not represent the values of the United States of America or of Team USA. U.S. track and field star Brianna McNeil, who won the 100-meter hurdles at the Rio Games, has been provisionally suspended after being charged with tampering with part of a doping process. The ban was announced by the Athletics Integrity Unit this week. McNeil currently ranks 7th among Americans in the 100-meter hurdles. The top three at the Olympic trials in June will be selected for the Tokyo Games. USA Figure Skating will pay nearly $1.5 million to settle a lawsuit by figure skater Adam Schmidt, who claims he suffered numerous assaults by Richard Callahan while training as a teenager. Schmidt accuses U.S. figure skating of being negligent in its duty to protect young athletes from sexual abuse. Congrats to BMX biker Hannah Roberts, who announced via Instagram this week that she's married, five weeks after announcing her engagement to Kelsey Miller. The 19-year-old's already punched her ticket to Tokyo. We spoke with her in episode 33 of Quest for Gold. The pandemic has led to challenges for many athletes just to find venues to train. That includes gymnastics. Grant Breckenridge, who's from Illinois but was supposed to be training at Stanford University ahead of the Games, has instead been shuttled to gyms across the country. I had a chance to catch up with him via Zoom. Where are you at right now? Physically, where are you at? Physically, I'm in Houston right now. Okay. Um, training at Cypress Academy right now. Um, usually I'd be training at Stanford, but since they closed in March, I haven't been able to get back and train. Um, and then I went home in March to Buffalo Grove Gymnastics Center. Um, and I trained there until they shut down at the end of July due to the uh, pandemic. And then the head coach out here reached out and said I could come down if I wanted to. So drove across the country. So you, I mean, this hasn't been a consistent year for anyone, but it's got to be challenging to find uh, not only a place to train, uh, people to train with, coaches, uh, moving around. I'm sure there have been various travel restrictions in certain locations. Uh, I can imagine this has been a real struggle. Yeah, consistency has not been the word of the year. Because, uh, yeah, like I said, um, I haven't been training in California since March when I left. Um, I went through, I think, four gyms in the span of a month, uh, just trying to find somewhere where I could get in consistently and get good coaching and good training. But luckily, I've been in Houston since uh, middle of August, so like four years now, or four months now. So it's been a really good end to the year, at least, consistency-wise. Is it is it more difficult having to train in different locations? I mean, I, I've talked to swimmers before, and I mean, the pool is the same, the water's the same. I mean, it, basketball players, the court should still have the same dimensions. I mean, is it is it more a challenge of just getting into daily routines when you're at different locations? Um, there's an aspect of that of like figuring out the schedule and wake, like figuring out what your daily schedule is, but also I think with gymnastics, a little it's a little more complicated. Um, 
because different clubs have different equipment. Some people have equipment from like the 1990s. And so you'll get on P-bars that are super slick and shaky, or you have a really nice vault, but the floor isn't good. So it's a lot more hit or miss, I think, with gymnastics. Like you said, like a swimming pool is pretty much the same, but uh, with six apparatus, it's slightly more difficult to have consistency across the country. I want to talk about Stanford a little bit because that was one of those programs. And uh, I'm sure you saw the 60 minutes uh, piece about how, you know, Stanford was one of these uh, schools that essentially got rid of a lot of what they call their secondary sports due to funding issues, obviously COVID playing a big role in that. Did that, do you see that as hurting the sport? I believe you were out at that point, right? You were done with school mm-hmm. at that point, but I, yeah. I mean, it essentially wiped out a season and obviously gymnastics isn't the only one suffering out of this, but that can't be good for the sport or basically have an entire year wiped out. Uh, no, it's not good at all. Um, right now they're trying to get virtual competitions going. Um, so we missed like championships for last year and we can't really get on campus. They can't get on campus for this year, but they're trying to make sure that a season can still happen. Even if, like Stanford guys can't back, get back and train. Um, but yeah, like gymnastics being what it is, an Olympic sport and not a money-making sport in uh, like basketball or football, it's really, um, you have to do a lot of convincing to the administrators to say why would they need to keep us and reaching out to um, alumni for donations and trying to get the program self-funded because with COVID, it's been a lot of sports have been on the chopping block. What is kind of uh, the the progression of gymnastics when it comes to where where do the elites go? Is that is that based on academies and club teams, or is it you work your way up, you get to that college level, and that's kind of the peak as far as the sport goes, leading into the Olympics? So you pretty much have two options: it's either you go the NCAA route, um, and then stay and train at the whatever school you go to up until the Olympics or there is the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs so once you graduate from high school you can head out there and train Um, it's really a question of if you want to spend the four years at college uh, or just go straight to the training center all right let's talk uh, 2021 kind of where are you at right now what are the goals that you've set out for yourself and what, what does your schedule even look like so I'm currently on the senior national team I have to remake it in February, and then there is a there are a couple all around World Cups and the Pan American Championships in the March through May period. And so, in May with the Pan American Championships, the top two all arounders can qualify a spot to the Olympics. So, it's I really want to get onto that team and be able to you know, get an extra spot for Team USA for gymnastics. And then early June is nationals. And then late June is trials. So got to, it ramps up pretty quickly. (laughs) But everything is everything going to be in the US then? I mean, I could imagine that, uh, you know, we don't exactly know where all of the uh, restrictions will be at any given time. Yeah, Pan American Championships are in Birmingham, Alabama. But there are also some World Cups around the world. Uh, so there's one in Birmingham, England. There's one in Stuttgart, Germany. And there's one in Tokyo. So the FIG hasn't canceled them yet. But I think they're 
we'll see how likely it is that they'll be running international competitions. It's doesn't seem too likely. How has Team USA been communicating with you, the athlete, about what's going on, uh, potential restrictions, uh, you know, uh, international competitions, how you should handle those? I mean, have, has there been a good channel of communications? Yeah. Um, USA Gymnastics has been reaching out. We've been doing biweekly or yeah, every other week we've been doing national team calls. And so the vice president and the high performance director will keep us updated on everything. There was the uh, Friendship and Solidarity competition in Japan in November. And so they pretty much the day they got the invite, we had a national team meeting and they're like, hey, this is what the competition is. These are all the restrictions that you have to go through. Do people want to do it? Do you think it's safe? So they've been doing really well with what are all the updates. They've been talking about what whispers they hear from other people about what might go ahead or what might not go ahead. So they've been very communicative. Are you feeling good that regardless, I mean, obviously you're, you're focused on yourself, but are you feeling good that Tokyo 2021 is going to happen based on what you're hearing? I think so. The competition that they had in Japan in November went really well. Uh, nobody tested positive, even though they brought in China, Russia, Japan, England, er, America. So I think that's promising. And the fact that they're starting to roll out vaccines, I know it won't be, it'll be a little while before athletes get it because we're not the most essential. Um, but I think by July, hopefully, I think, I think it'll happen. And what is the situation right now with USA gymnastics, men's gymnastics have, has the team qualified a bid yet, or is that something that they're still trying to, to do and then set the team? Um, so this quad, the qualifications are a little bit different. They have qualified a four man team, uh, from the 2019 world championships so we have four spots locked in and then from the all-around world cups and the pan-american championships and individual world cups we can qualify up to two more spots so we have four locked in but we could get up to six let's go into a little bit of your story here uh grew up in in the suburbs of uh chicago um mm-hmm. what got you what got you into uh, gymnastics in the first place um my older brother did it so I was just sitting in the lobby um, and my mom was like, yeah, I might as well enroll you. So I started in parent talk classes when I was two um, and then just kept going. I played soccer for a little bit, but I quit because I liked the individual aspect more of gymnastics. I trained at Buffalo Grove since I was nine. So your, your, your family got you into it. You stuck with it. I could imagine there were a lot of pressures, uh, you know, to, to, do other sports. I mean, was it, were you pretty much focused in on gymnastics and, and that was what you stuck with? Were there moments where you were like, eh, I don't know if this is for me. Um, it was pretty much always gymnastics. I'm when I went through my growth spurt, like beginning, like first two years of high school, that was the only time I really reconsidered just cause everything hurt so much. I was like, and I wasn't doing that well because I couldn't train, uh, too consistent. Like, too much because everything hurt. That was the only real time I doubted it. But now it's basically been gymnastics only for the whole time. And and I saw in your bio, your goal is the Olympics. Obviously it is now. Was it then? When, when did you kind of set that as your goal? I think since 2004, probably. So I was seven. We watched the Olympics on TV. I remember watching Paul Hamm winning, um, and so ever since seeing that, it was like, oh, I want to be, be on TV like that. 
because you've been so focused on gymnastics, uh, you know, what, what, what does that mean for your daily routine uh, growing up? Were you at the gym before school, after school, were your weekends pretty much wiped out? I mean, uh, or did, did you just kind of uh, progress to, to this level at kind of a slower pace? Um, luckily gymnastics is not a before school sport. That is one of the big bonuses. I would not have woken up that early for it. Um, it was a progression up through like around middle school is when it really started to get serious hours. Um, I'd basically go right after school to the gym. I'd train from like five thirty to nine or so. Um, sometimes five to nine. And then high school, the same way. So it's basically, I'd have an hour to do homework in between school, have a quick 30-minute dinner, drive to the gym, get back at 9.30, ice, do a little bit more homework, and then go to sleep, wake up, repeat. Um, we had Fridays off, which was a good thing. So I had at least one social day, but Saturdays and Sundays, we still had gym. It wasn't much free time north suburbs i mean it, it seems mm-hmm. kind of a hotbed uh, of gymnastics activity in one form or another yeah chicago northern chicago has really been a powerhouse for many many years we've got a lot of good gyms in the area um i know it's more so rhythmic gymnastics has a huge concentration in the area but i think like this section of illinois and then texas and california are really like three ginormous parts of the gymnastics feeder. When you kind of think about 2021, are you able to think about this step by step or does your mind immediately go to Tokyo and, and being an Olympic village? Is it, is it better to set that large goal or is it easier to kind of take smaller goals or maybe a combination of the two? I like a combination of the two. Sometimes just setting my goal for next July, or like only thinking about the Olympics, it gets sometimes you get lost in the day-to-day thing. So I need to set some more smaller goals that are short term so I can have a more direct uh, thought of where I'm at versus just like going into the gym and grinding out so many routines and dying. It's like, uh, I don't even have to do anything till July. It's, I find it much more helpful to go short term while still thinking about the Olympics in the long term. Obviously, gymnastics has been something that Americans have followed quite a bit, uh, especially on the women's side of, of late with Simone Biles. Are you hoping that that uh, maybe uh, Team USA men can can kind of get some of that publicity too, and and you know have that prime time action on on American televisions? I mean, is that kind of your goal going into this? Obviously, you've got personal goals, but also kind of elevating men's gymnastics, especially after what's happened this year and what we've seen happen at the college level, you know, just to kind of say, Hey, look, this is still the real deal. And this is still big in the country. Yeah. It's definitely a goal of mine to increase some exposure to the sport because I mean, I've been doing this for 21 years. I love the sport. I want to see more people getting into it. Um, I mean, I don't think in the short term we'll have anywhere near the exposure that Simone Bile has, but if we can get onto prime time, if we can, We've been in fourth or fifth place. If we can get into third and get a medal, I think that would really help us get some exposure. But yeah, it's, I would really love to see men's gymnastics spon- uh, featured in this Olympics. Who are, who are the powerhouse countries, even outside of the Olympics? Who are the ones that you're always looking at? Russia, China, Japan. Those um, are the big ones, huh? 
yeah, China has won a lot. I think all but they they didn't win 2019, but they've won all the years before that. Um, Russia has a the last two all around world champions, and they just won the team final last year. And Japan has like 40 people that could be on the national team and put up a good score. So they've been those three are the ones I really watch and they've been having some competition. So it's been nice to be able to follow them even through quarantine when we can't compete. Now, Russia has been interesting because Russia obviously cannot compete under its own flag this year. They can still have athletes assuming that they didn't get rolled up into this doping scandal. Um, what has, uh, what has um, the, the testing been like during COVID? Are you still getting, getting calls and you still have to obviously be at a certain location at a certain time. Have they paused that or have they, has, uh, have they continued um, to, to monitor doping uh, for all of our athletes? They've continued to monitor. You still have to fill out your whereabouts and say where you are. Um, two people I train with have been tested during this, like the last couple of months. So they've still been on it and they've been sending a bunch of emails saying, Hey, this is still going on. These are the, COVID safety procedures that we'll be doing, but we're still here and we're still testing. Have you gotten caught in any weird situations where like they came knocking at your door at a time you weren't expecting at all? Uh, luckily, no. I just yeah. had one when I was coming back from class one time. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about uh, the rest of the members of Team USA Gymnastics. Uh, pretty strong team. Yeah. Um, I mean, Sam McCulloch has always been the cover page guy. He's been our number one. He went to 2012 and 2016 games. Um, Akash Modi, he's my Stanford teammate or ex-Stanford teammate. He's been doing really well. Uh, Yule Moldauer, he's an Oklahoma grad. Colin Van Wicklin, I'm also training with him right now. He's an Oklahoma grad. So I think we've got a really strong team and then, and hopefully people have been able to get some training in during this quarantine so should be a good chance do you have a, a favorite event a specialty event anything like that um uh, my favorite's high bar i think it's the closest i can get to flying thanks to grant for that interview next week we'll talk with the triathlete who's pretty much managed to keep a normal schedule despite the pandemic that's next week at quest for gold i'm ryan burrow